welcome to another week of It's Just My Thoughts, and I'm your host, Mika Reeves. And today, I have a special guest in the building. I have Ta. Say hey. Hey, everyone. (laughs) And so we're going to go through the episode together. She's going to be my co-host today. I'm going to give her a proper introduction later. But um, let's see, just to give a recap of my week. um, I'm trying to think what happened this week. Oh, this week. So the kids went back to school um, here in the county that I'm in. I know your your son went back. He's been in for two weeks, right? Yeah, he just finished up his second week of school. Yeah, so Isaiah's been in for a week. I haven't felt like I wanted to kill him just yet. It's been, um, I think it's been different from him because they actually have like a real um, curriculum and like regimen. I think he thought it was going to just be him chilling like it was when uh, COVID first happened last year. And so this is giving him like a rude awakening, but I think it's been kind of difficult for him so far, uh, just because it's different when you have to sit there. And that's why I try to explain to him, like, it's even difficult for adults having to work at home, you know, the changing your um, routine. And so when I was telling him, you know, as far as like with school, you know, if you're in regular school, you'll be able to go to school and like maybe have social interaction in the hallway, have lunch with your friends. And the fact that you're at home and you don't really get those things you have to be um, more mentally, you know, alert and prepared for your day um, and take time for that because he still was trying to work like as if it was summertime. And I was like, it's not going to work, child. You're going to be tired and you need to be able to regroup. And so now he's struggling, you know, this week, this weekend he's struggling. And I'm like, I told you it was going to be like that, but he's one of those people. He has to see things for himself to fully understand what he has going on. But, um, but your son is in school. Yes, my son is actually in real school, so he goes to a private school, and um, private schools have the privilege of um, not having so many children in a class. So, you know, public schools um, kind of have gotten out of control with their classroom size just due to how many children there are and, you know, how many more schools and more teachers we are in need of. So a lot of public schools, on average, were having... 25 to 26 children in the classroom. And I can just imagine how many children are in these classrooms now that they're doing them virtually more so than uh, being really like in physical form in the class. But um, my son has always went to like a charter or a private school. And he actually got to experience public school for the last um, year and a half. And he loved it, you know, he thought it was really cool. But, you know, once COVID happened and um, he had his whole virtual experience, he didn't like it, he didn't attack it well, he did not learn well. He told me that he said, I cannot do virtual learning. Like virtual learning is not for me. He was like, I'm not going to be able to just really you know, conceptualize anything or hold on to it. And, you know, that worried me because he had already been without traditional school since March. So these babies have been out of school for five months, Mm -hmm. you know, and um, really there wasn't, when virtual first happened, because it just happened, everybody was just like flying by the seat of their pants. So it wasn't very organized, you know, it wasn't very laid out and structured. And they said that it's better now, but for my son, he just told us, like, I have to go to school. So we started looking for a program that um, was following COVID regulations and rules and kind of had things in place. And it's no different from 
what we're doing in our homes. Like, you know, um, what we're doing if you go to anywhere. So they um, have to take a survey every morning. They have to take their temperature every morning. Um, they have to wear masks. They have to wash their hands. Like, if anything, private institutions have the money to really implement sanitation stations and cleaning rooms. And in his classroom, there are only uh, 12 children in his class. So their their desks are spaced out. They don't have textbooks. They're carrying their laptops. So everything is sent through to them virtually and everything like that. So, you know, we felt safe enough with the procedures that they have in place. And my son's in eighth grade. So these kids are old enough to be educated about you know, there's something that's making people sick right. and to follow these procedures um, as much as you can so that you can try to keep yourself if, as healthy as possible. So, you know, I hope that everybody can kind of make that the new normalcy, just educating the children on the virus and how we keep ourselves from getting it. And as long as they're not at high risk, kind of, you right. know, in some kind of hybrid school because the kids my kid is the only child i know your child is the only child so being the only child and not having that physical social interaction and stuff it's hard it's taxing on it's really hard and that's something that we actually are even having even more conversation about than we were before because you know this is like his sanctuary you know and where he's safe and his comfort and um that's been something that i'm like worried about and then also I think the fact of like this is final year you know and I kind of just hate that for him to have like you know this last year experience um like this but uh we didn't really know to be honest with you like we're still talking about what did we want to do and it's funny because school's already started but it was just like because this is last year and it was kind of like you know let them finish it out and you know that type thing and then it's like um I don't know. I didn't, I don't know. Change sometimes can be, you didn't want to rock the boat too much, like with him, um, you know, being almost out the door and in college now. But I, I personally feel like, um, I feel for the kids to have to be at home because I can't even see with him that we're going to have to, even though like he's older, I think we're going to have to be more on him than we usually would have to be because, you know, it's just, he's, he's tired, you know, already, you know, I can just already see it in the first week, just us just kind of talking about how he feels and all that. And sometimes like with his classes, um, I think he's in like AP psychology and the, the computer, he was telling me his laptop just started slowing down because it was like, they didn't want them to do all this stuff while they were trying to be in the zoom call. Mm-hmm. And so it's more so, I think this week for me, I've been making him do like affirmations, trying to keep a positive attitude because yeah it sucks, we get it, you know, but if you complain about it and find like what you don't like about it, it's gonna, you know, take it away from the learning. Yeah, you gotta definitely put a positive spin on it. Yeah. Uh, keep the children encouraged and, you know, just let them know that we are all going through this together and we have to find the silver lining in this time because it is very different. We've never experienced it before. I can see how they can be tired because I know when I was working at home, being on zoom calls all day long and meetings back to back and sitting at a computer it it just became taxing because you don't you can't i miss being in the office and going to 
fix myself some coffee or taking a drink of water, walking to the copier, you know? So it's just that you took those steps <laughs> for granted, like those little steps, yeah. class to class to the cafeteria, all those things. Like we really took it for granted, but I feel like COVID also has helped us to really, um, realized that our home is a sanctuary and it gave us you know the time to really bond and have conversations with our family yeah. and it gave us the time to like really just i've never seen so many people in my neighborhood walking riding bikes yeah. like you know so it really kind of got us back to you know um reality and home which matters and i tell people i feel like it was god telling us to sit still it down. <laughs> exactly. Because it slowed me all the way down. I mean, by now yeah. we've been on vacation a million times and I, I haven't done anything. And I pretty much have been spending a lot of time, um, you know, in the house and with, and with my family and reading, which has been cool. Um, mm-hmm. And it's like things that I already do, but I probably have spent more time. Like, you know, I'm doing like probably reading a book every two to three days. And opposed to if I was running around doing other stuff, it probably would have been like a week and a half, two weeks. So, um. Yeah, but I, I hope that your son have a good school year, though. Um, I don't know what's going to happen here um, in Greensboro as far as, like, with the kids. I don't even think they have a plan, and that's why I'm not really overly pressed because it's scary the fact that, like, I don't even think they have a full plan. And um, the high school that he goes to is really large, and um, I'm not pressed for him to go back. So I'm really not um, just because I don't even know. I really don't even know. I don't even think they know, you know, I'm just happy that this year he does have like a little more structure. I just hate that it's like a little more difficult for him. But um, let me just go into the, let's see, I think that's all I have. Um, I'm going to Motivational Monday. So for Motivational Monday, I wanted to speak about gratitude. Today, I wanted you to do a journal entry and I have four things for you to kind of dissect of yourself. The first one is, what am I grateful for? Who is someone I am grateful for? Obstacles I am learning from. And what is the best part of your day? So I want you to make that your Monday's um, journal entry. All right. So I also wanted to take a moment to acknowledge uh, Kobe Day which is on 824 in Orange County. Um, The day was chosen as he wore eight in the number 24 during his career. Today, actually, while I'm recording is Kobe's birthday. Um, They're still just, um, I feel like I'm still just making sense of that one. That was one that um, was probably our first devastating news of like, you know, this year. Um, It's something that I've thought about the whole year just, and still praying for, you know, his wife and family and kids. Uh, just it was really just really really sad my whole timeline today has just been flooded with with Kobe and um, his birthday and in remembrance and um, you know it's just life is not promised to us and so we have to just make sure that you know every day I tell my family and people close to me how much I love them how important they are to me and how grateful I am and so um, we just can't you know forget to do that Um, but definitely um, prayers up for you know Kobe Bryant's family all right. Um, so some black excellence. So the verses gods have answered our prayers and Monday night, which be when you hear this tonight at 8 PM, I believe it's going to be Brandy versus Monica. Ty, did you, did you see that they announced that? 
Yes, I saw that they announced Brandy versus Monica, and I do love them both, but I really don't feel like it's gonna be a versus. I, I don't even. The thing is, though, like I've wanted this, so I'm actually hype, low key, because. Um, but I think I'm like one of the only people out there that feel like I I was a really huge I was a huge Monica fan, but I was a really huge Brandy fan. I think I was more of a Brandy fan than I was a Monica fan. Everybody on my timeline is like, Monica, Monica, Monica. And I'm like, oh, I was a Brandy fan. Oh, my goodness. I, I like Brandy. I do. But I love Monica albums. Every album that she's ever made has always been a really solid album. But they just didn't get all of the you know, like attention. And I feel that same way about Brandy albums. I feel like she makes some really solid albums. Like they're really good, but they're like a whole mood, a whole like vibe. But Monica is just such a really good storyteller in her songs. So like, you know, she's one of those people that um, when she in love, she makes a good album. When she's broken up, she makes a good album. So I really feel like Monica does have a lot more hits per se than Brandy, but I do, I do like Brandy, but um, Brandy is more of like, they both can sing, but Brandy is more of like a, uh, she's more into the musicality of singing, like the harmony. Yeah, that makes sense. And all these different things. So I think that their music is two different kind of ways. I do still, I feel like Brandy is still very much having trouble with, like, people who like Brandy, there's no new Brandy friends. Like, the <laughs> people who like Brandy, we're the people who have always liked Brandy. I, I, but, I mean, Sis is not getting new fans. You know, she is their, the older population that are now listening to, like, her music, but I listened to her new album a couple of times and I was like, this is just Brandy being Brandy. I think, you know, I listened to it and I even went for, um, I went, uh, I had it on when I was out working out. And so I really was trying to concentrate on it. I have no idea what Brandy was talking about on that CD. Like <laughs> I'm still trying to figure out what Brandy's talking about on that CD. All I gather from that CD is that she, she has gone through something or she's still going through something or something has transpired. I'm not really sure, but it was like. Honestly, Mika, the whole CD is just Brandy sounding like, she's like, ah, uh, <laughs> she literally breathed it on every song in tune. And then yeah. she'll like, I'm like, Brandy girl. Like, yeah. I multiple times and I have no clue like I, you just Brandy just being Brandy she just breathing and humming and doing riffs that's it yeah so I'm excited to see it because I didn't think they were, I didn't think they were going to do this because I, I, I didn't think they were going to agree to do it but I actually like the little Versus series because I feel like this has been something that's just been a really cool bright spot you know what I'm saying like just kind of have something to look forward to um, seeing some of your favorite people doing it so I'm I'm gonna actually tune into this one and uh, and watch the whole thing. So I'm ready. I'm ready. It's for this a whole move. I, I love verses. Like I feel like it's a whole vibe. Everybody's there. You have your little wine situation or whatnot, yep. and you just it's a live concert. I love it. My favorite one has is probably always gonna be my favorite one was Jill Scott and um, Erica Badu. I'm a big Jill Scott fan though. Huge, 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 huge. So I love that one. I love her. So. I'm ready for this one, but now let's see. So we're not going to do hot topics this week. I think our thought of the week is going to be kind of like a few little hot topics that we're going to kind of discuss. 
And so I'm going to skip over hot topics and then let's just jump into um, some of our discussion for the thought of the week. So today for my thought of the week, I'm joined by Ta. And uh, just to give you a proper introduction, um, she has many hats to name a few. She's a blogger as well as a, uh, she has a book bundling service. I thought your book bundling service was a really cool experience. Um, I actually have ordered Erida one. I plan to do it every year. Um, you know, she basically gives you a questionnaire, you fill it out and based on, you know, what she thinks and kind of like your mood and vibe is, she sends you a bundle of books. And um, I thought it was really cool. So definitely support black businesses. I'm going to put I'm going to give you a chance at the end also to kind of like give more details on where to find you and all that. And then I'm going to also put in the episode notes, but um, I really, I really loved it. And I thought it was really cute. And I was, I was looking forward to it, like it getting here just to get it. And so I think I know like a few other people too, that's ordered it as well. And I try to tell people that I know like our readers are trying to get into reading um, to kind of, you know, it's kind of like a cool way to, to get into reading. I know some people that don't read and I, I'm still confused, y'all, on what's going on <laughs> and why we not getting into it, but that's a whole nother thing. But when I first met um, Todd, she was actually the guest host of my book club, and I went home, and I was like, man, I told my family, I said, I met this really cool, dope chick, and I was like, you know, I'm going to figure out how to make her my friend, and, <laughs> you know, because when you're older, it's impossible to make friends, and so um, I pretty much have forced her to be my friend. And, um, you know, I really thought that when I met you, that you exude so much black dopeness. So um, that's what made me really just want to sit and talk to you. And so everything that you post and blog about, um, I always find to be something that you can kind of gain from instead of it being like, you know, so much negativity online, I actually find what you post to be actually really positive. So I've been wanting to get you on all year. So I'm happy you're here. Thank you. You guys, Mika is not being honest with you guys. We are actually best friends. <laughs> <laughs> we talk entirely too much all the time. But she is, um, Mika is super cool. Like, I was so happy to have find someone who wanted to discuss books the way that Mika discussed books. Like, you know how you call up your friend and people are like, child, did you see such and such? Mika's like, girl, did you read Yellow Girl? <laughs> I'm like, no, girl, but I'm going to download it right now. <laughs> so we read a lot of books, and um, I love books. Books have always been just an amazing thing for me. Being a kid with parents who worked so much, um, books were the way that I traveled. They were my vacation. They were how I got away. So I really appreciate it, and I really appreciate you having me on your show Um and I appreciate your friendship too. Like I said, we always talk just about books and talk about other things. And you know, you guys are cool people. You and your family, y'all are really, really cool. But I'm excited to talk about these topics as well because I don't get to get into stuff like this a lot. So when you were telling me, uh, when you sent me the stuff, I was like, oh, like I need to do some research because I don't be knowing what's going on. Like, <laughs> I, I barely know what's going on, but I try to, I try to because it's like some things and uh, I'm getting to the first topic right now, but some things when I see things, I'm not a big social media. And so I try to pop in, pop out. And it's something I try to, you know, pay more attention to because I do have hot topics that I go over every week that I try to, you know, stay in tune what's going on. I feel like sometimes social media can be such a toxic place. And, <laughs> and when you see stuff, I just, I just be like, wow, I can't believe um, half the things that I see. And so 
the first topic I want to discuss in more detail, the last couple of weeks I have discussed, you know, Meg the Stallion um, and her, you know, being um, shot. And she finally came out this week and said that Tori Lanez was the one that did shoot her, which we already knew, but she never really confirmed or denied who did it. Um, I think it's what was crazy to me was the fact that I think this whole scenario has been crazy and I'm going to just give you guys a whole little backdrop, but um, a couple weeks ago, she was shot in the foot. She didn't really give much detail as in regards to what happened. I didn't really personally feel like she needed to give detail and like that was actually necessary. I think my first thing that kind of started making me really pay attention to this and, and the way people were behaving, especially black men, was I didn't understand why she had to give, um, you know, explanation on what happened um, in regards to like why he did it or people wanting to know this backdrop of a story. Um, Cause all I saw when I first saw it was that she was shot, you know, like now it never in my mind came, well, what did she do to get shot? And when people say that, I just find that to be absolutely crazy when that question is asked. And also, um, She's even gone as far as like leading these weeks leading up to this conversation, having a day, like having to go, which I wouldn't have, but she did go online and actually show her foot uh, with the stitches and all that because people were saying they didn't believe her. They didn't believe that she was actually shot, even though it was a video of her leaving the car with her foot bleeding and, you know, putting her hands up because, you know, the cops were there. And, um, and she actually finally came out this week and was like, listen, you know, the reason why I've been kind of silent about it, not really wanting to go there was because during that time when it happened, you know, he had a gun in the car. We've seen all these scenarios, you know, with uh, the violence against black people. I actually was, even though he shot me, I actually was afraid for him and his safety as well as my own. And when she said that, I found it to be really sad that you're a victim and you're still afraid because you're afraid that you might not be viewed as a victim. Right. That sense what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, um, so what was your thoughts on that? Well, first and foremost, there are so many things wrong with this whole situation. Like the whole entire situation is just, like you said, weird. And I know who Meg The Stallion is. You know, I've heard some of her music. Um, I know who Tory Lanez is. I've heard some of his music. So, um, but I don't like, I don't follow the Shade Room or anything like that. Um, so I don't know all the stuff that's always like going mm-hmm. on. So that's why I was like, I had to like do some research and kind of look into it and see like what happened and what was they doing together? And you know, like all right. this. <laughs> Um, But one of the first things I would like to say is social media is absolutely insane. Like it is a platform. Everything has its pros and its cons. It's light and it's darkness. So I always try to make sure that uh, sometimes, you know, I try to bring myself from back from vibrating low on social media because it can happen fast. I try to curate my feed so that I follow people who are empowering, people who are high-minded, people who are bringing topics to social media and different things that are worth talking about because they bring like, you know, an awareness or a consciousness and different things like Meg the Stallion and Tory Lanez. There were so many topics that you could break down within this one situation that happened. First of all, um, 
the first thing is just before the accident even occurred and he shot her in the foot, the one thing that we need to make sure that people are more aware of is just emotional intelligence, like and how to handle situations when they happen. Because obviously nobody came out and said this was an accident. So it ain't like, you know, they were in the car driving and he had a gun in the side and he went to pick it up to move it to another place and it went off and it shot her in the foot. Because right. that would have been an easier story to tell. So them keeping the story away from us, it led people to believe that there was some kind of disagreement. There was some type of emotional argument that took place and it escalated and it resulted in him harming her with a fire weapon. But the thing is, is like, so emotional intelligence is something that we have to talk more about. Like we have to teach people how to handle conflict and confrontation, like how not to go there. Because, you know, if you think about it, this whole thing with Meg Thee Stallion and Tory Lanez is very familiar to the issue that happened with Chris Brown and Rihanna. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when this happened, we criminalized Chris Brown and, you know, we said that Rihanna was a victim when it came out that that was an issue of emotional intelligence as well. That was an issue of young people who are doing whatever they're doing with one another, getting into an argument and not being able to work through a confrontation without it getting physical and somebody getting harmed. And, you know, I think that we forget that a lot. Like, to me, it's also a testament to that younger generation. Like the younger generation, I think Meg Thee Stallion is like, what, 23, 24 years old? Yeah, like 24, 25. Yeah, like she's a very young person. Yeah. And like, and Tory Lanez, I think he's like pretty young too, for the most part. So you have this younger generation, even though there are celebrities and they have money, you have people who are per fairly new to having money and fairly new to being a celebrity. So they're still emulating things that they see because they're still young and they're still very impressionable. And I think that when we see things like this, we have to look at how they handled the situation. And then after the situation happened, like why is Meg the Stallion and Tory Lanez, like why are you guys going live? Why are you talking to people? What happened to the days of where you would have a publicist and they would release a statement for you that was professional. And then if you did do a show, like Meg, why aren't you set up to go on Ayala Fix My Life like Karuchi did? Like why are you? Right. Going live on your Instagram because the thing is, if you let somebody host it like a Ayama, if that's if you want to tell your story, she could do it in a more high-minded way so that you get across what you're saying, and then she can help you dig in and kind of personify the whole police brutality thing, right? Um, the injustice that are happening black with black men and kind of like your PTSD for so many black men dying at the hands of police because police approaching them and these things getting out of control, you know, with them. So that, that was one of the things as well. And then with, um, so, and then with the whole incident of her being shot and trying to protect him, like, you know, I understand her trying to protect him, but you know, once she got to the hospital and everything, she could have had her, where was her attorney who could went and formally got charges pressed? Like, you know, they should have went because he does need charges pressed right. on him. Like he, he shot her. Well, let me ask you something though. Um, and I, and I was saying this cause I've kind of been like, um, these are kind of like conversation pieces for me where sometimes with the child, because he's kind of getting into dating and I kind of, yeah. 
I kind of want to know like what is working over in his brain. Like how does he, what does he think about these things? Like, what does he think about like his view on, you know, I just try to, you know, make conversation pieces with him. And do you think that, um, a part of me, and I don't know, but a part of me felt like the reason why that Meg was kind of like, kind of hush and not really wanting to talk was because I felt like, and I could be reaching, I don't know. I felt like that she didn't want to acknowledge the fact that she was a victim of domestic violence. I think it was a part of her being a victim of domestic violence. I thought, I think it was embarrassment. I think it was shame. I think it was not wanting to hear what people were going to have to say about her because people will always have something to say. Like people have said a lot about her, but she hasn't given them she hasn't been a victim of what people have said about her. So with her actually saying that this happened to her, even though she is the victim from the standpoint of being shot, I think that um, she knew that people would weaponize her music, uh, weaponize the things that she says, and they wouldn't look at it more as a liberation standpoint for her. They would look at it more of, oh, this is how you carry yourself and da 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 da. So this is why this happened. And it, it doesn't matter how you carry yourself because somebody harming you is a decision that they make, not a not something that you request because you dress a certain way or you talk right. a certain way or you act a certain way. So you know, I think it was, I think it was shame. I think it was emotions, like how she felt about him, you know, and just not wanting that kind of attention. So, you know, like I said, it's, um, you know, domestic violence, that whole entire cycle is like very rough, you know, and then it's also people just making it seem like it's okay to talk to people in a certain manner. So you know, she says how, you know, she talks to men and how her mouth is crazy. You know, so people are also blaming the way she vocalizes herself on what happened to her as well, saying that she's asked for it and that, and that black men don't have to protect her because of the type of woman that she is. But that's that respectability politics that I don't like it. You know, I can't yeah. get that. But that's what I felt like. Um, when I, some of my takeaways that I had with it was, um, and just seeing the, some of the cruelty online towards her, it was just like, I mean, I've seen things from people saying that, oh, she's tall, she's masculine anyway, she was beating him up, she was doing this and she was doing that. And I'm like, but that still makes you want to shoot somebody. I mean, in general, like, I, I just was like looking at it from a different standpoint. And then the fact that like, they kept saying like, you know, what did she do? What did she do? She had to have done something. She had to have done something. And that's why when I have, you know, conversations with, you know, with, um, with the child, like, I'm like, you know, um, I want, I want to know his feedback sometimes, you know, as him being, you know, going to be 18 now and just like, what does he think about, um, women, you know, like, and how he should be, um, someone that's just like, you know, cover them in a sense and be a protector in a sense of like, not just because, because personally, I feel like you have to break down the people that these people have personas. Yeah. These, these celebrities are like, you know, some of these people are, they're not some of them, all of them are real people. Yeah. And we were talking about this last night um, when I had like some family over and we were just talking about the fact of like, when they kept saying, I just wonder what happened. And I'm like, um, it doesn't matter though. But what people don't realize is these celebrities, um, it's, it's a 
downside to being a celebrity like all we see is the glitz of it but we don't see the other side of it and so half of these like rappers and stuff are freaking on drugs yeah you know they're popping pills and doing everything else and so you don't know what was going on before they got in that car because because a lot of it even with the chris brown thing like chris brown is i think still on freaking coke or whatever the freak he does i don't listen to chris brown but you know at the time like he is on drugs it's it's a known fact that he is and you don't know what drugs are going to do to you. You don't know how it's going to, you know, make your emotional regulation be. And a lot of these people, which in Chris Brown's, a, you know, an example of that, have brokenness. And, you, and it, comes, it always comes out in instances like this when, like, why don't you respect, a, you know, a woman? Like, I respect everybody, you know, um, Black men, Black women, you know, everybody in general. But I'm like, you know, I also have a responsibility of like, you know, if I see somebody doing something, I could never sit like doing something wrong. I could never sit and just give the excuse of, well, what did the other person do? You know, like if, if, if my, if my kid freaking, you know, uh, did something towards a female, I'm not going to be, you know, like, yeah, I'm going to be asking what happened, but I'm going to more so be like, nothing should ever make it to where, you know, you're assaulting a female or something like that. Yeah. Like, you know what? And it's women too, because that's why I said it's all about emotional intelligence. Yeah. Domestic violence goes both ways. Yep. You know, just the same way Chris Brown put his hands on Rihanna, but Rihanna also put her, put her hands, hands on him. Yeah. And so, and you know, the same, you know, what we have to do is we have to teach our people. We have to teach people that like it just goes back to that emotional intelligence. Like you cannot hit people and you cannot do things to people if you will not receive, you know, a consequence from that. Meaning if it's from the person or from the law or whatever. And yeah. And so I think, you know, um, this has a lot of layers to it. Yes. Uh, And it was something I kind of just wanted to discuss because I more so was just more so disappointed with, the reaction from people and um that's a conversation we have a lot in here that i like i literally one day i think he was like i think the child was like in eighth grade maybe i don't know and he was really starting to get into his music and all that and i had i had to bust his bubble and be like you know these aren't these people real names you know this is this this is what like they really probably are you know like just explaining like you can still like this person but don't idolize people and don't think that like they would never you know like because they would these are real people like these are just like me and you you know mm-hmm. and so i think sometimes people like they fall in love with these celebrities and just are like well i i just can't believe that but you don't know these people we don't know we don't know their their past their their family lives their brokenness do they get healing are they in therapy are they talking to somebody a spiritual advisor anything like her mama has passed away yeah exactly has passed away so we don't know who else she has left you know as far as like relationships and you know it's just it's, it's very unfortunate but i was very you know, I, I wasn't disappointed because humans are going to human. And, you know, the the social media is full of people giving their opinions. I also give mine all the time. Right. So I definitely get it. But I do, I was, I was very just like sigh yeah. of people's reactions to, you know, us not protecting Black women or Black women not feeling protected or, you know, um, and then also even people's reactions to coming down on black men 
about why they feel like they should protect black women. Um, you know, because the thing is, you could protect black women or we could protect black men, but we don't always know the whole story. So sometimes people are also fearful of getting themselves involved in something that may get them harmed, you know, but but I feel like even with that though, um, which I agree with you, but I also feel like um what I do is I never even seek to understand. Like I, I'm like the the full gravity. Like I'm more so just like all I know is in this scenario, right? I can't speak on like, you know, like prime example, like with them. Even if she might have done whatever to him, which I'm not saying is right at all, like it's definitely wrong, any of it, if if something did happen, right, where before this altercation, um, I still can't have any rationale to speak to why you would let off, you know, gunshots inside of a car with people yeah. in the car with them. So that yeah. that in itself to me was just like where it was kind of like, okay, like, either way whatever happened right whether you know first they were saying she was physical with him whatever the case y'all obviously have a toxic thing going on where obviously y'all just don't need to be involved and that's kind of how i looked at it just mm-hmm. you know not even not even for like i just get bothered when i see people asking like well what did she do to him but i'm like when she's speaking about her trauma and having ptsd and like her experience and how she was afraid i think it's wrong the first thing you say well what did you do what did you do to get this abuse you yeah. know that's why we have to teach our children. Like you said, you talk to your child and I talk to my child too. We have to teach them how to treat other people. I'm telling you. Tell them like, it's not okay. And I think that, you know, toxic relationships and toxic bonds and different things and trauma bonds and things I'm like that, you. they have became so popularized, mm-hmm. you know, amongst our generations that people believe that's how relationships are supposed to be. That's why I work on, um, you know, in my relationship that I have, making sure that my child sees a positive relationship, making sure that if we do have disagreements, it's something that is discussed in a healthy manner and work through in a healthy manner. And if it comes to a point where my relationship is no longer healthy and it's not something that continues to be progressive and it shows growth, I also want to show my child how you unpack from those relationships unhealthy, like how you get out of those relationships, um, you know, in a healthy way and also how you heal because life is going to happen. So you may meet somebody, you may be in love with them and it may not last forever, or you may, you know, parents get divorced, you know, people break up, people meet new people, embark on new relationships. So I think, you know, what we have to do is be healthy examples and try to show our children how to navigate those things in a healthy manner. And if something unhealthy happens during that time, show them how to handle that in the best way because you don't want to you know cling to toxic things in your life so this is something that happened to her and moving forward she can move on and say you know I can't associate myself with this kind of stuff anymore and because she has the you know the ability she should say you know hey I'm getting counseling for this like I'm getting therapy to help me what I went through so that I don't put myself in a position where something happens like that, you know, to me again, but, you know, I think I, the fact that she's broken too. And, yeah. you know, and what I try to explain to people, I'm like, when it comes to brokenness, like, and the fact that her, like, she, you know, she lost her mom, you know, and all those things. And like, she's still going through grief. Sometimes like you can be in these states where that might not even be you, you know, but because yeah. you might be broken at the moment, you know, brokenness attracts brokenness, you know what I'm saying? So then here you are floating to 
a to- more than likely you're going to be in a toxic situation. That's just kind of like how it is because you can't really see further than the trees right now. You right. know? And so she even admitted that saying like, I've been out drinking, I've been out doing things I shouldn't be doing, you know, as a way of coping. I think my takeaway from this, um, regardless of, you know, who did well, well, whatever, whatever, it's more so like the, what I more so felt like with her was that it's clearly some brokenness there is some healing that needs to take place. And, right. you know, I think you maybe need to start with maybe the grief counseling or something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times it's a stigma in the black community where you don't want to, you know, you're trying to be like, well, I can handle it and whatever. Um, grief, man, is, is rough. And it's, it's something rough. that, you know, comes in, you know, ebbs and flows. And if you're not surrounding yourself with people that understand like you're going through something, not just like pushing alcohol in your face or drugs or something like that, more so like speaking to your, your insides yeah. and trying to help you get some healing or, or finding somebody that you can talk to. Um, yeah. You know, that's what I think needs to take place. And then, you know, she will see more clear to where she needs to surround herself around people that might be better suited. Cause right now she still probably don't fully see it might be other people, you know, around her, you know, but until you kind of clean up yourself and get clarity for yourself, it's hard to see that around you. Definitely. You know, that's something that I'm working on. I'm actually working on getting um, my spiritual counseling certification. And what I want to focus on is, you know, we have grief counseling, we have substance abuse counseling, we have marriage counseling, we have family counseling, we have all of these counseling. But, you know, I want to do a type of counseling, like I said, spiritual, that helps people just, you know, stay in contact and aligned with their spiritual foundation as they go through life transitions. Because, you know, when you work for a company, whenever you have a life event, they allow you to change your insurance without penalty, right? Because you either need more coverage or you need less coverage, you know? So I feel like people there should be counselors for life events as well. Because whenever you have a life event, you have to change and shift and transition how you operate in your life. That's having a baby. You know, like if you have an additional, a baby or adopt a child or foster a child, that's a life event. And that's something that's changing. You have to include another person. I feel like if you go through a breakup and it's not a divorce, because sometimes people don't always get divorced. Sometimes people just are in long-term relationships and they decide to break up with that person. You need counseling on how to unpack from that, you know? And I feel like we don't, I feel like we always try to make people get counseling for big events. Like, oh, they got a divorce. They need counseling. Oh, they, um, you know, like they, um, somebody died. They need counseling. Oh, they were kidnapped or they went through a a violent, they were a victim of a crime. They need counseling. But people also need guidance through just life management. Yeah, I totally agree. You just do through different things. So I feel like when you have, when you go into prosperity shock, which is what a lot of these rappers and everything go through because they they didn't have money, a lot of them before. So you make one song, it blows up. You get all of this attention and you get all of this prosperity. All of a sudden you experience prosperity shock. It also happens with people who go to the NFL, who go to the NBA. One day you are staying in a dorm room in a twin, extra large twin bed and then you get signed to the NBA. Right. You know what I'm saying? You and then now to, you got to deal with everything yeah. else that comes with it. You have to deal with everything else that comes to that. And you've opened up a door to access to things that you never experienced. So when you gain new access, you need counseling through that. Like not only do you need financial consulting, most people talk about that now, but people don't talk about actually mm-hmm. counseling 
and just the, you know, the parasitic humans that you're going to run into through those paths. Because like, you know, Megan, she didn't know Tori. Tori didn't know Megan, but because they are in the same circles of now celebrity, that is making people want to foster friendships. And she said that since she started, I've seen videos of where they showed her with all these different celebrities and she just came in like as a real friendly girl. Like she was like, I don't want to hate on anybody. I want us all to get along. I want us all to be friends. I want to hang with everybody. So we've seen her like in all these different circles and that right. becomes taxing because you don't know who your friend is. And then everybody's just thinking, oh, she's the fun girl. Like right. let's fight her, you know? So um, I think that that's another thing that it brings shame to her because that's yeah because now this event has happened to you yeah everything you said I agree that that makes um a lot of sense and I think what people don't realize is I talk about therapy all the time and counseling of some form because you know I go um religiously um if it's times that I feel like I need to go more I go more if it's times I feel like I need to go less I go less but I always go once a month at least um lately I've been going every two weeks and um and sometimes I go more and sometimes I go less, but, um, and there's nothing that I have going on. It's just sometimes like if I'm transitioning or some things I want to work through, yeah. I like to just have a safe place that, you know, you can just go to talk to somebody that has an unbiased opinion, you know, like, you know, as far as like relationship wise, and they can give you just some truth that you might, I feel like it's different when you talk to family and friends and some things I can want, I keep kind of like private with certain things, like as far as like my relationship and all that, I don't, I'm not one of those people that talk to my friend about my relationship you know I keep that kind of uh in a safe place um because you never know people's true intentions or what they might feel or if they're having energy going on in their situation they bring in your situation I just never know and so um I kind of try to keep some some things you know uh safeguarded a little bit but I think therapy is something that's important um in general and that's why I always say counseling you know spiritual you know advisor what, whatever you whatever is your you know poison you know um I think it's something that everybody should have a lot of people don't a lot of people are afraid of it you know for whatever reason um but it's something for me they don't want yeah. but like and and that's one thing that I was saying you know I, I was like you know I don't want to make peace with my demons I want to, you know, like, I want them to be gone. Like, I want to get them off of me so that I can move forward lighter. And I feel like when people avoid, um, you know, encountering the things that are causing them pain, the things that are making them have these different walls so that they can't get to the next level, that, um, you know, that's what holds them back. Mm -hmm. That's what makes them physically sick. That's what causes them so many different issues in their life. So, you know, I know that um, therapy has become a trendy thing now, mental health, you know, people are, but I'm glad because whenever things become trendy, you know, even if people just um, hear about it for a moment, in that moment, they become active with it. You know what I'm saying? That moment, yeah. they start researching it. Um, in that moment they go and you can't unlearn information you know what i'm saying like you you absorb it and you see it and you get it so i like you i am a big advocate of people going to therapy protecting their mental health yeah. digging through things because a lot of times things affect us adversely from childhood that we don't even realize affects us until we are adults 
Like, you know, I, I have learned that some of the things that I've done as an adult is a direct reflection of what I went through in, in childhood to the point where I realized one time that I was grocery shopping just like my mom. Mm -hmm. Makes no sense. I'm buying the exact same stuff that my mom used to buy from the grocery store because I, it's just comfortable. Like I know that you can make chicken pork chops, you know, <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? It, it's yeah. just, but you don't, you don't realize like how conditioned you get just from being around your parents, from your ideas to the way you move to the yep. things you buy. So, you know, I think that it is so important that we learn to go to get that and get out of our boxes. I totally agree. Uh, and I always say, I think I say this almost weekly on here. Like, you know, um, I, I have, I just had a conversation uh, like two weeks ago, a week and a half ago where somebody was saying that, you know, how therapy just doesn't work. And I'm like, you know, I think it doesn't work for people that still lie to themselves. But once you stop lying to yourself, you know, it's going to start beginning to work because now you actually want to do the work and not be afraid to unpack. And a lot of people just they they read they read a lot of themselves and sit and say, okay, you know, um, I've done some messed up things, you know, and I'm trying to figure out why that is. Like for me, honestly, what made me start going to therapy was that I was trying to understand why did I keep attracting broken people. Yeah. Like I, and I knew that it couldn't be like you can't. I'm not one of those people that's like, well, it's them. No, it had to be me. Mm -hmm. I'm doing something to where, or maybe it's something in me that's broken that need to be fixed to where. I start uh, attracting more healthy relationships and I needed to figure out why that, why I wasn't. And that was honestly what made me start my journey. Yeah. And so I, that, that was probably the realest moment for me was when I really kind of was like, all right, Mika, like for real, like you need to stop putting the blame on somebody else and you need to start looking at yourself and it made me just grow up. And that's what made me kind of like just be more of the person that I am now, like a better person, a better version. Um, once I kind of got through that. And so this actually leads into our, um, our last topic though, uh, which is actually a, a good one because we're kind of talking about therapy right now. So last week I kind of spoke a little bit about um, Selah Marley and I think I'm saying her name wrong. And she did an IG live and she was talking about, you know, how Lauren Hill, her mom used to beat her as a child. And, um, you know, Lauren actually gave uh, um, a response to this. I'm going to read her response because her response was uh, interesting to say the least. Mm -hmm. And so let me pull that up. All right. So this is Lauren Hill's response to her daughter um, speaking about her childhood trauma. Selah has every right to express herself. I encourage it, but she also got the discipline that black children get because we're held to a different, to a different standard. The discipline was seen through the lens of a young child who also had no place to reconcile me as mom and, and me as the larger than life public figure. It took me a while to realize that my children and probably everyone who knew me saw me in this duality. Uh, to me, I am just me. If I'm guilty of anything, it is in discipline and anger, not in discipline. The toxic venom I ingested for standing on principle and confronting systemic racism, far before it was a thing to say or do, everything you now celebrate everyone for. The people who called me crazy and have yet, have yet to apologize and say, oh yeah, we were wrong, of course, they seeped into my home. Let's see. Hill noted that Selah on the road to her healing and contextualizing her childhood is allowed to process what she experienced. But if you come for me, come for your own mama and those absent fathers. Come for them too, your grandparents, your great-grandparents, your great-great-great Caribbean parents, African parents, and everyone else damaged and judged for being Black and forced to conform and assimilate to Western standards. 
of order shaped through the filter of lands and anti-blackness. I think that pretty much did everything. That was a lot, but um, yeah. So she did say, um, let's see, I think I'm trying to figure out leave out one part. Yeah, that's pretty much the most part of it. Some people say they felt like she didn't take ownership. I think she did and didn't. She 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 did and didn't. But um, what what do you think about her? You heard her response. Um. I thought it was all very interesting. Uh, one of the things that I would like to say about her daughter is we can't tell our children what happened to them. Like we can't tell them. Their experience. Yeah, we can't tell them yeah. what they experienced in childhood, how to view that experience and you know how to process that experience. Now we can explain to them our side of what was going on in that situation but we can't tell them like no i didn't abuse you because the definition you know i always tell people that too if somebody hits me it's assault but when we hit our children we say it's discipline you know so if because you own them you view your children as a sense of ownership they're, they're because they're your children right but your husband and you're his wife right. and he hits you that's assault that's domestic violence but if you hit your child you know then you know it's it's discipline and you know i am a parent who i used to hit my child but i stopped hitting my child um after kind of just researching through some just conscious co-parent uh you know parenting and just just looking at other ways to discipline our children because really hitting your child is not getting it if anything i feel like hitting your child teaches your child that they can um you know that they can also hit people that you have to put your hands on someone in order to get them in place um i also feel like you know with Lauren Hill's explanation, um, you know, she's basically talking about systematic oppression and that trauma and how, you know, she disciplined her child in anger because she wanted her child to know that, you know, I'm whooping you because I love you and because I want you to do right. And if you go out in this world and you do wrong, you you already have so many things set against you. You know, being a black child, being, you know, this or being that, like the world's already against you on so many levels. So that's what I feel like she says when she says she disciplined in anger. But I feel like someone as intelligent as her should also know that you know there's a there are other ways that we can discipline our children without putting our hands on them but at the same time i also saw where some people was like my parents whooped me when i was little and i'm fine but are you though no you're not (laughs) are you like you know my Um, mom she never i think my mom may have whooped me like once or twice when i was like in the second grade my dad never put his hands on me he just had like this real stern voice that was very full of disappointment. Like when you did something you didn't have any business doing. And it's like, you know, I remember one time I whooped my son and he was like, I like me putting my hands on him. That was like above him. He was like, no, like (laughs) don't, 
put your hands on me, please. Like, I do not like it. Like, I could tell, like, it it shifted his whole, he was like, no, like, no, ma'am, we're going to have to find, take my phone, like, turn this game off, but, like, right. please don't put your hands on me. Like, yeah, you know. I think um, that's something that I had to, um, I had to unlearn um because my parents very much were uh disciplinarians like very very much and um and my mom like it's like we kind of talk about it kind of but not really um because if you ask my mom anything anything negative in any kind of way about our childhood it never happened okay (laughs) none of that ever happened or she just like literally was like i don't recall and so that used to make me frustrated but i think sometimes like sometimes people can't just own when like maybe they might have had some um decisions that might not always been the best and my dad was the same way like my dad very much was we didn't really see my me and my sisters like we didn't really fuck with our parents like that like these kids nowadays i feel like it's a this generation is completely different thing and i'm Mm -hmm. like we did not if your parents told you to do you did we didn't sit and like really talk back but at the same time I look at my parenting completely different from that where like you know with Isaiah like um we have more conversation like and it's more so like where I more so want you want to teach you respect like I am an adult like you need to respect me and everything else but at the same time like I want you to be able to tell me how you feel and even if like times that I'm wrong and it's times that I'm wrong like because I very much what I inherited from my mom is that I am a yeller and pe- and nobody ever believes me because I'm so chill. But if you if we go there, we can go there. And I and I yell, you know. I don't do it as often um, now because I kind of like am like really had to work on it. But I did I do yell when like I really get to a point of like okay, stop it, you know. And so that's something that I try to um, to kind of work on. But yelling does not work with him. He shuts down. He doesn't like it, you know, and the, the, the conversation that I want to have or the understanding I want to have, I've already messed that up from the beginning because I came into this, you know, acting crazy, you know? And so I kind of go into it a different way of like, let me like, let's talk about what happened. Right. And then I'm like, what were you thinking when you did this? Like, just tell me your thought process towards it. Like where did, where, you know, and then I tell him mine. And then we kind of go into like how he was wrong, you know, and but what made it wrong to where I felt like it was wrong to where he understand like, you know, this is how it is. And so I think a lot of times when I tell people that they're like, yeah, girl, you do too much talking. And yeah, for like my mom, but sometimes when she see like me in parenting mode, she's like, oh, I would never y'all y'all knew. And yeah, we did. But at the same time, like we knew that if we did wrong, like or anything at all, you were just going to just beat us but you didn't teach us anything really about like what, why are like, what really are we doing to ourselves when we do this? You know what I'm saying? Like, like I just don't believe in like just busting your child first and then you might not even ask them questions. Like all, all, all we knew was you did what you were told, you know, and if you didn't do, there was a consequence to that. And to the point that where it was like, we were so programmed and robotic sometimes I used to feel like I didn't even want to like breathe, you know, like you were seen and not heard, you know what I'm saying? Like you, you go in the room, you speak, you keep it moving, you know, like it, but I think now I more so look at it from a different standpoint. Um, more so I want like us to be able to talk to each other and you tell me how you feel because 
especially like with black men, I feel like black men are so accustomed to people making it seem like they can't have emotion and feel and tell their feelings. Like that might make them, you know, less of a man, but I don't, I want you to tell me so we can talk. So you don't be broken and crazy with a female, you know, like, let's let's get into it, you know, navigate. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, so I feel like with when it comes to and I don't, I don't, I don't fully know, you know, I'm, I'm a co-parent and, you know, I'm, I've learned things as I go, but, um, at the same time, like, I don't, I used to feel like that, you know, and it was mainly because of how I was raised mm-hmm. that I wanted to kind of like, you know, people always tell me like, your kids should fear you. And I don't want, you know, my kid to necessarily yeah. fear me. my kid to fear me. I want yeah. my understand me right I want my kids to understand why we have to make certain decisions and why we have to do certain things and that's just a part of the conscious parenting the conscious parenting is making sure that your child can understand at the capacity that they're able to conceptualize at that moment so that they can move better and i think that's what we have to do because i think that like i said i just think that when we you know, hit our kids and we just whoop them and we look at that as the only way to discipline, you know, then, you know, that's why, you know, we have a lot of things that are happening with our kids and see a lot of yep. things that happen with them today. But what I also think is that at as parents, like, you know, I'm not, I'm not putting my hands on my son, but I do implement consequences for my son. Thank but you. The issue is with the lack of consistency in parenting, because if you implement a consequence and you are consistent with implementing that consequence for the behavior that they did, then they are going to learn their lesson or they're going to get that consequence again, but they're going to know that you don't play. So the thing is, if you tell your child, um, you know, that they can't play the game for for. 30 days or 14 days or something like that and you take the child's game away from them and then you decide to let the child play the game because they're getting on your nerves and now they're all in your space because they're not dedicated to their tv anymore you know because they're not playing the game then it's like you know at that point you you have stopped implementing the consequence so they know that you you waver you know when it comes to keeping your foot down. So I've learned to keep my foot down and my son knows that like, we don't play. Like if you don't do that schoolwork like you're supposed to, or if you don't do these chores, like there are people who kids don't even have chores. Okay. I don't get it it either. I I hate to see it. I'm like, so they live in that house with you and you do everything? Like, no. The same way you have eight hours of school, I have eight hours of work, and I make sure that we have the things that we need in our house. And I'm like, this is our home. We have to take care of it. So, you know, it's up to you to keep certain things clean and do certain things. But then I also give my child an allowance, too, so he feels like he has something to work towards. But, you know, it's all about, you know, balance, memory, teaching them the routine so that they like get into it. I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think that, um, you had said something about, um, the consequence thing. And that's something that I think people don't realize, like you can instill instead of just straight up beating your kids. Like 
I'm very much, we are very much education driven household, very much like, you know, so we set goals, you know, um, individually and he has goals and, and, you know, we have goals and I try to lead by example for one and mm -hmm. two, like, girl, last year alone, he, he was acting crazy for a moment. He, he had to get his life together and, um, he didn't have the video, the video game to whole entire school year. Mm -hmm. Like you can play games if you want, but I mean, you know, these are, he just got it back this summer and we already don't really, we don't let him play during the week. And he's a senior in high school. And we still don't let him play during the week just because these it kids, you know, they are people trip yeah. me when they stop parenting their kids because they're older. Yeah. They'll yeah. be like, Oh, well he, I don't care. This one you need to parent in the mode. Like, I feel like this one you really need to hone in because they're going to be gone pretty soon. And it's like making them understand what's important and understanding the importance of it. And so I try to have, I have way more conversation. I feel like now than I did before, like we used to talk about stuff, but now I'm yeah. like really, you know, heighten the level of different levels of conversations. And so I think that's the difference between, when we were young and our generation from this generation, but I also think too that um, the level of how people care about their education is kind of going down in, in Mika's opinion. And so a lot of times like, um, and, and I don't, I don't like, uh, I don't think that you're less smart if you have a degree or don't have a degree. Like I'm not one of those people, but I also like, you know, um, like if the child didn't want to go to college, if he didn't want to, it was his choice because, you know, but if he didn't want to, you were going to have to tell us what did you plan to do? Yeah. What is your plan? Because what is your plan? Like I'm wandering your life away. Exactly. Yeah. Whatever it is that you want to do, let's envision a path for you to do that. Right. And right. if it doesn't include college, that's okay. But if I need to get you into a trade school or we need to get you into a certification course, or, you know, if you know of a job that you want and you want to go there and start entry level, like I need to make sure that you definitely have these things in place. Yeah. But that's a whole nother topic to talk about yeah. how people need to consistently parent. I am 33 years old and I still talk to my parents about things like, because I don't know, my parents have been 33 before. So they already have the experience of being a 33 year old. And so I like to still call on them and I like to still ask them about things and have conversations with them. And I feel, and you know, I tell my son too, I'm like, hey, I've, I've been 13 before. I know what it is to be in middle school and kind of being in that in-between stage where you are a teenager, but you can't drive yourself right. anymore, but you know, you, you are still, but I'm like, there's so many things that you are unaware of. And, you know, I'm constantly testing him on them things or saying stuff to him. Like, see, this is why you got to keep your head on a swivel because look at that, or look at that, or look at this right. So I think that, um, but I think that's the difference though, between like how you're saying you still talk to your parents and ask them questions and things like that. And, and you're, you know, you're still learning. Right. Mm -hmm. But a lot of these kids in this earlier generation, like now they think they know and they don't care. And so, um, I don't know if there's something happening. I don't know if it's a breakdown at home or what's going on, but, um, it's kind of sad to see sometimes when you see some of these kids walking around and you're like, whoa, like I, I, I met someone that was same age as, as my child and I, I I'm I'm blown away sometimes with the stuff I see because I'm like this is absolutely and, and you post a lot about just kids you see in the neighborhood and all that and crazy it's crazy it but it's crazy but it's it's really crazy and so um but I think sometimes it comes from just what's happening in the um in the home and or what's not happening in the home and um 
And I don't know if people, like I asked last week on my podcast, are people still beating their kids? Like, I don't know if people are still beating their kids. I think some people are still beating their kids, but it just depends. I feel like some people said that they are too far gone. Like we had, a, I put, when I posted in next door about the kids who are walking around the neighborhood all day. I was like, hey, you know, you guys, like your kids are walking around the neighborhood all day. If they are between the ages of 14, if they're 14 and up, Chick-fil-A hiring, Pelicans hiring, Food Lion hiring, like get them kids a job because if they right. can walk around the neighborhood, they can walk to a bus stop. They can walk to the job right. you know, and they can work. And I'm like, you know, I'm like, do kids not, I was like, do kids not work anymore? Like when I was, we all worked when I was right. a like everybody had a job. Everybody was about getting them some money so that they could do whatever they wanted. Well, you were involved in something. We never, we never just laid around. That's something that I had to really, 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 I say it works, but I had to really be like, um, you're not going to just lay in here and think that like, we just going to, no, 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 no. That's one thing that I just, I don't like lazy kids, period. Like woman, like little, little boy or little girl. Like, I don't care either yeah. or like, um, cause we never were allowed to just lay and I, and I think like ever, not, not to level these kids. Like, I'm like, my, we never got to sleep in. Like, I still don't even sleep but in as an adult. Yeah, like sometimes I let my son sleep in and then sometimes mm-hmm. I'm like, well, come on, let's go. And then I think that parents also leave their kids at home all the time. Yeah, that too. Take that kid with you some places. Like I tell my son, you going with me to the grocery store. You going with me to these different places. I won't take him everywhere and I'll let him get his break sometimes at home and I might go and do something. But I'm like, you need to get out of the house. Like people yeah. will let stay at home all day and let them sit and be on video games electronics all all day make them unplug sometimes too and read a freaking book right but not only that it's like people think of their kids as an interruption like you know so it's like they feel like oh my god yes they 12 i can leave them at home i can do this i can do that but that's still your child like you still need to (laughs) you need to do things with your child like go hiking with your child like go walking with your child like, I tell my son, like, let's go ride bikes. He may not want to go long. We might go for 25, 30 minutes, but it's, it's something that we did. There's still something, and it's still something that, that you can, because I, t- I tell everybody this, and even some of my friends that, like, have kids, I'm like, the one thing that I try to remember and think about things that I wanted with my parents, and I'm like, you know, um, time is something that's free. You know what I'm saying? And so memories and time and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, you never can get these moments back. And I'm like, but time is free. You know what I'm saying? You got shoes, you can go for a walk, you know, you can walk around the neighborhood together and just talk. And me and I, they do that all the time. We talk all the time, just, you know, in general. And yeah, we play the video games together sometimes, but we really, honestly, as he's gotten older, have been playing games less and we spend more time talking, you know, and just like, you know, just spending time when we, when we get moments. And that's things that I care about the most. Um, but with this conversation, as far as like with the Lauren Hill thing, um, just to close it out, do you think that Lauren took full ownership? No, I don't think that she took full ownership. I, I think what Lauren did was Lauren tried to give a socially acceptable excuse for her daughter's perspective of discipline in her childhood. Yeah. I think the only part that I felt like she owned it was just her saying that she parented sometimes like you basically what she was basically saying like I was frustrated sometimes 
she did something wrong and I just let my anger and emotion let loose on her. It was very clear what she kind of was basically saying, like, you know, where she, she didn't discipline her out of uh, teaching, you know, with some kind of teaching behind it. You know what I'm saying? And Sometimes it was more behind that whooping than just her spilling a juice. Right. Know? Like she spilled a juice and you done thrashed her. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it probably ain't that serious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, this is a good conversation. Um, was there anything else that you want to add in for today? Um, no, I just want to tell people about like my stuff that I have going oh, on. Oh yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> let me, let me, uh, also say that, um, you know, I do thank you for hopping on here with me today. Um, tell everybody and tell everybody everything that you're doing. And also, um, I'm going to put it in the episode notes too. So whatever she say, I'm going to also, you know, give a whole thing too. Okay, well, where to find you? Um, my name is Tatiana. I go by uh, Ta on Facebook. I am basically I blog Ta. You can just find me randomly talking about different topics um, that are going on, or just different questions, or you know, just different experiences. Anything that I see that day or that I'm interested in. I really don't base my topics off what's going on in the world. I base them off of personal random things that pop in my mind so which are hilarious <laughs> and I also like to moonlight as a comedian but only for myself like I think I'm hilarious but <laughs> I don't know um and then you can find me on Instagram at t-h-e-e-l-i-t-h-o-u-s-e at the lit house that is basically my online bookstore but I do have a website it's called www.thelithouse.com and I do books and boards. So by books, I mean I curate book bundles for people based off of a questionnaire that I created. It's my own internal algorithm. And I do a pretty good job of picking like great reads for people um, to read. And I really enjoy it. I also do those book bundles for kids. So I can curate it for kids that are any ages. Um, I have a special love for uh, young adult fiction. So YA book bundles are my jam if you want to get them for your middle school and high school children. And then I also do charcuterie boards, but you have to be local. Um, I love charcuterie. It's my just, um, it's a product, a passion for me. It's very relaxing just to put the board together. It's probably the closest I would ever get to crafting. So if you guys can um, follow me at the Lit House on Instagram, you can also follow me at basically I blog Thai for charcuterie boards and also for book bundles. And then also on my website, www.thelithouse.com. I do post blogs every now and then. I get back into my writing. So I look forward to seeing you guys on that platform. And once again, thank you so much, Mika. Oh yeah, it's been pretty cool. And she also has, um, I told y'all she has many hats and she also has, I'm not sure if you said it earlier, but I want to say it, um, a podcast as well where she does book reviews (laughs) and she just finished um, her first season. So the second season is going to be starting back pretty soon, but um, I I enjoy your podcast too. So uh, I wanted to make sure I said that too, but um, yeah. You guys, I have a podcast. It's called At the Lit House, and I forgot all about it because <laughs> that 
is also something that is just a product of passion. Um, like I told you, me and Mika, we read in the insane amount of books. And so every week I do a book on my podcast. And so season one is up. There's 10 amazing episodes on some very like current books. So if you guys um, would like to listen to that, you can go on my podcast and you can listen to me just review a book that I read um, and season two is going to be starting in the middle of September. And I'm really excited to discuss um, the next books. I forgot to ask you two things. I'm going to close it with this. Um, I want you to tell me your favorite book you've read so far this year. And then the other question is, what's your self-care um, uh, routine? Something you do for self-care. Okay. So my favorite book that I've read so far this year is The Vanishing Half by Brie. <laughs> okay. That was such a just, it was so crazy, um, the book. It was just a lot going on, but I really liked it because it was just layers on top of layers. It was. Layers yeah, that, that book was just. And I really wanted to do like a two-part podcast on it yeah. because it was so good, but I was only able to do um, that one episode, but that was a great book. Um, my self-care routine is, um, I like to go walking. Like I like to go to the nail salon and get my toes, my nails done. I like to get my hair just retwisted. And then I like to go on long walks and just discover new things in my neighborhood. And, um, I like to watch like a, find me just a really good show. Okay. Oh. And I always like tell people that, um, you know, definitely get into like what things that make you happy, especially with everybody being at home still, a lot of us still out of our routines. Self-care this year has been so important. It's been so important to me. Um, I think my biggest self-care that I've had has been my reading. You know, it's been like just a level of escapism for me mm -hmm. and just discovering so many different books and genres. It's been really fun. But um, I want to thank you one more time for joining me today also want to tell you guys that don't forget that you can follow me at it's just my thoughts underscore podcast on Instagram, Twitter. You know, I'm usually around talking about something lately. I've been talking about, please vote, please, please vote, you know, and if you're not registered, please register and vote. Um, and so you can follow me also on Twitter and it's at IJMT podcast. And if you have any questions, concerns about anything or, or, or you want to be a guest, um, you can always send me on my email and that's ijmtpodcast at gmail.com. And I thank you guys so much for listening. It's Mika here and I appreciate you.